I've killed Hyacinth a number of times, but he returns, each time different and stronger. We've crossed swords on this sector of space, one beyond it, off-world, and a thousand biomes and a thousand planets. I think Des points over to that, you know, the stack of uh, pulp, you know, um, books starring Rhodes, uh, maybe on the table. He's like, is Hyacinth in any of these books? I imagine we've been heroes and villains in each other's stories for a century. Hmm. Well, how do we kill him for good? He's different now. Cold. That's harsher. not what I asked. How do we kill him for good? Because if he can do that, there's no hiding. Carta, in this fight, we need all the allies we can get. I want to believe that Hyacinth, the Hyacinth that I knew long ago, is still in there. We are solidly within the Concordat's sights. If I can, I would love to bring him into the fold. But if not, our conflict will have an end. And I think as you finish telling these stories and kind of filling the rest of your squad in on your history with Hyacinth and the Concordat and everything that's come before, and as all of this comes to a close, I think uh, in the tunnels, or coming from the tunnels outside the infirmary out in Low Tower, you hear the, the sounds of footfall, the boots on the hard stone. And before you even see anyone, you can tell just by the... The cadence of the gate. It's Troubadour, return to Low Tower, coming to see what you've brought them from the most recent mission. Welcome to Risky Standard, an actual play podcast featuring a rowdy group of best friends playing tabletop role-playing games together. I am your host and GM, Mitch Brewster. You can find me on Twitter at MagnesiumB. You can find the show on Twitter at Standard Risky. If you're interested in coming to talk about the show or see the incredible custom Magic the Gathering cards I just created for the show's main characters, come find our Discord. Link in the show notes. Uh, with me today, I've got Pete Loftus. Yes, I'm Pete. Uh, our listener choice hollow table contest rages on. If you have a great idea for a cool name for a hollow table, hit us up in the Discord. You can also find me on Twitter, which I use pretty infrequently at Chip Enjoyer. Yeah, uh, we have Malcolm Hall here tonight. Hello. <laughs> cool. That's it. That's the intro. And Timothy Manns is here with us. What's up? Um, I just got worried back from uh, Wizards of the Coast. You are allowed to print these cards out and use them as long as they are on regulation <laughs> card stock. These are tournament legal cards. They are allowed. <laughs> if you're listening to uh, this in March 2025, we're looking forward to the Risky Standard expansion. That'll be on Magic the Gathering Unlimited uh, for a monthly fee of your choice. <laughs> Decide how you pay. Now, Wizards of the Coast, if I remember correctly, is a um, famously non-litigious company, correct? They're correct. super cool about it, yeah. They're like right up there with Games Workshop. They don't really care. They're <laughs> yeah. super chill, yeah. right? 
And today we are returning to our ongoing campaign of Beam Saber by Austin Ramsey. As always, you can find Beam Saber over on Austin's itch.io page. Uh, it's a great game. We're having a lot of fun playing it. Uh, yeah, and so yeah, we are jumping right back in today after our, our brief diversion to return to the normal flow of the campaign, uh, which uh, for this session is going to be uh, another downtime session. Uh, not to belabor it, because now we've done a couple of these at this point, but downtime is you know the time that our characters get to pursue their own personal projects. They get to recover and recuperate from the the injuries and the wear and tear they have sustained during the the previous missions. And so we're gonna we're gonna run through that today and see what these how these characters are faring after their their encounter at the the Lost Crown Casino and the uh, the unexpected interruption of the Diadem Royale. Uh, so any questions before we kind of dive into stuff, guys? No. Uh, who won the Diadem Royale? Oh, that's a great. I mean, I, don't, I think probably no one gets crowned a winner. Unfortunately, I think this is uh, up there with acts of God in terms of uh, insurance payouts and stuff like that. Was there was there a monetary reward for the win? Uh, monetary reward. Uh, you get like a cool custom mech, probably. Yeah, so before we kind of dive right back into the fiction um, and kind of your reunion with Troubadour and the handing over of the personal network device, I think we can kind of maybe start out with just kind of roll through the, you know, the the mechanical after effects of the mission uh, and kind of get ourselves set up that way. And then we will we'll dive right into the the story proper. Does that sound good? Yeah. Um, so the first thing that we, we have to do uh, is your supply roll for the mission, which represents the kind of like a reinforcement of your supplies that the your patron faction gives you as a kind of reward for completing your mission uh, and is the thing that you will use, you know, to fund your your extra activities and your your boosts during downtime. Uh, and so based on the the tier of the squad that you were targeting in this mission, it's going to come out to be uh, the highest of 2d6. Plus always one personnel and one material as a, a bonus for the faction that you are are fighting for, the ring. Uh, somebody want to hit us with 2d6? We can see how many supply points we, we have going into this downtime. Sure. Rolling. Two fours. Spider eyes. Is that what that would be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's spider eyes. I think we said that before. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so that comes out to yeah four supply points uh, plus a, a personnel and a material to round you out to six altogether going into the session. Uh, so we can mark that on the sheet, uh, and that will be like available for you guys, uh, you know, to uh, enable you to take extra downtime actions or to improve the results on the downtime actions that you do take going into things. Uh, and I'm not gonna go through the full suite of like bookkeeping questions. I think there's like a lot of that we can do off camera and handle. Um, but I do want to look at really quickly your drives and see if anyone feels like they like uh, accomplished, not accomplished, but like worked towards their drive during last session. And if so, we will take a segment on that drive clock, which is the thing that you can spend to kind of change the the fictional circumstances of the world. Uh, and you can spend those to uh, eventually uh, accomplish your drive by either changing the, the life circumstances of a person or a squad or a faction, depending on how many you spend. And it's also, I think, probably just good to revisit everyone, you know, really quick and go through like, what their drive is. Yeah, my drive is to uh, understand the true nature of the redshift. Yeah, and do you feel like we worked towards that last time? Yeah. 
And then, yeah, we, we mark a, a segment on the drive clock. And you just basically, as we go forward, anytime during a mission, you do something new working towards completing that drive. You'll get another tick in this in this clock. Malcolm, Desmond, what's your drive? To get my revenge on the Belfry boys. And do you think you worked on that last time? Yes. Yeah, I think so. There was you were like you were kind of investigating like right these like symbols of the one-eyed bat, um, mm-hmm. potentially at detriment to the progress of the mission. At one point, I'd say for sure took a segment in that. Uh, and lastly, young Carta. Yeah, I, I think so. Just because we are getting a you know the personal network device of a Grenfield employee having access to information like that only is going to provide me access to information that's going to help me fulfill the drive, which is to find the people who killed my parents and take them out. And as we know, um, those people were affiliated or associated with uh, Greenfield. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, so why don't you knock that up as well and uh, make a mark there. And uh, you also, Rhodes, uh, we have not done this on screen yet, uh, but you have two new ticks in your rival connection clock with Hyacinth Corin. Oh, two, huh? Yeah, so you, anytime you suffer a consequence from a rival during a mission, uh, you take a segment in your connection clock with that rival. Uh, and anytime you work on a rival's challenge clock during a mission, um, that also gives you one tick uh, on your, your rival clock per each mission. So just to clarify, when I came into this game with a rival, does that have one tick already? And then I added two more? Yes, you started with one, um, and you started with a belief about them as well, which is maybe worth revisiting in this moment. The belief I had just written down was that I knew you on Feldspar, speaking to Hyacinth Corin. So I think I'll have to do some thinking about belief. Yeah, yeah. You will have to write two new ones. One of those is definitely, I think, as far as I'm concerned, anyway, that like Hyacinth is still in there. Like the Hyacinth I knew is still in there. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, once you have ticked all four segments on this belief clock, uh, what you'll do is you will ask a about a truth relating to one of those beliefs. Uh, and then the, the other character, or in this case, me as the GM, will kind of answer truthfully about that. You'll mark an XP and you'll reset the clock as you kind of have a new understanding of this person. And like last uh, of the clock business, uh, at least for the moment, your patron, the the ring, has a faction goal that has its own clock associated with it. And we talked about this before, but the, the ring's faction goal currently is the game refers to as hearts and minds. It is is trying to win the popular support of the, the people of Ember. As you progress that clock, uh, eventually once it's filled, it will give the entire squad a benefit that will also have kind of like a, a fictional reflection um, in the narrative that we're telling, right? Will increase like the level of recruitment and attraction that the ring has to the people of Ember once you've worked on this clock. So this was that one out of four segments, but I've gone ahead and ticked this another segment as a result of this mission uh, because I think that there is probably a thing that ended up being like fairly public in some ways right you know there were a lot of people in the the Lost Crown Saloon when Hyacinth Corin arrived and attacked Rhodes uh, and they got to see this you know famous ring war hero fight off a Concordat agent uh, and make his escape all in like kind of the in the house of one of Ember's most notorious like crime lords I think there's like enough enough there for the popular imagination that it is um, has generally like bolstered good feelings towards the ring uh, and has like attracted people towards it uh, so I'm giving you another tick on that clock 
hearts and minds. Uh, and then, you know, we won't go over all of them. But there are always at the end of a mission, a bunch of changes to your status with various squads. Um, you know, you get improvement to your relationship with squads that you help during missions. Uh, and you get increasingly negative relationships with squads that you hurt or hindered during the mission. Uh, and if you do eventually get to minus three with uh, an enemy squad by repeatedly kind of um, impugning them or attacking them uh, or otherwise, you know, getting on their bad side, uh, it can lead to what the game calls a vendetta, which is where that squad goes from actively disliking you to actively and intensely working to discredit or defeat you. Uh, and that will lead to things like a reduction in the number of downtime activities you get each downtime. Uh, and like some other penalties until you're able to resolve being you know, kind of like inactive conflict with another squad. Uh, but we're not there yet. Last like two things are kind of like, I think, kind of tied to each other, at least to me, narratively in the fiction. And we can kind of reflect that as we start to go forward and talk about what that looks like exactly. But you guys have gotten enough rep a type of experience point for the squad that the squad can now move up a tier. Uh, so you guys are no longer a tier zero squad. Uh, we are going to uh, reset your rep track and you will move from being a tier zero squad to a tier one squad. Uh, and that is going to affect uh, in the fiction, your relationship to, uh, you know, how effective you are against other enemy squads, you know, higher tier squads uh, will give you uh, less effect when you're working against them, things like that. And it'll also affect the number of dice that you guys get to roll uh, on a lot of things like your downtime actions. So now going forward, the squad will be a, a tier one squad with a, a weak hold on their their power. And your hold will go to strong once you fill this rep track again. And once you've filled it while well, it's that strong, that'll bring you finally to tier two. Um, you kind of need to like level a squad up twice before they're like secure in the level of power that they have currently and then can move on to the next one. Uh, and so, you know, we can talk about what that looks like, like I said, but I think, you know, it's going to be a mixture of, you know, genuine material improvement, right? Access to better supplies, you know, more uh, social capital in the like military systems of the ring leading to you getting better gear. Uh, and I think also you know, it represents like a inability increase here, right? Um, uh, seeing the team operate more efficiently and more comfortably as a squad, you know, acting in unison, um, backing each other up, getting more familiar uh, with each other's habits and techniques and being able to better complement each other on the battlefield. Presumably, at least in my mind, this is more of like troubadours articulating this to, you know, ring central command or something. And this is like embers becoming a open battlefield. Mm. Maybe. Uh, well, so this doesn't really, you know, so I was going to say the other thing that I wanted to, you know, the other last like kind of like bookkeeping note here uh, is that in terms of you have a, a trust rating with every faction, uh, including your own faction. Uh, and as a result of this mission, you've gained enough trust with the ring that you now are at a, a plus one relationship with them before you were at a sort of a neutral, a zero. Um, you now have a plus one relationship with the ring uh, out of, you know, this from plus one to plus three. Um, so you are now viewed more favorably overall um, as a squad, as a group working within the faction. So like we said before, you know, this idea of like getting better material support maybe also ties in here to, yeah, now, despite maybe some rocky starts to some of your earlier missions, you know, you've gotten the goods, you've done the job enough that you've started to uh, win over the the critics of the Black Star Constellation within the Ring's intelligence community. They've at least stopped 
asking us to quit doing that. <laughs> uh, the, the, what the game says here is that citizens and squads that don't know you will help your squad if it doesn't cost them anything. They expect the same in return. Compare this to, uh, you know, both the Concordat and the Commonwealth you guys currently have a negative one relationship with, which means citizens and squads that don't know you will look for opportunities to cause your squad trouble or profits from its misfortune as long as it doesn't cost them anything. They expect the same in return, right? And yeah, I think with all of that, we can kind of move back into the narrative and, and see how these guys recover uh, in the aftermath of the Lost Crown Saloon. Uh, yeah, I think we're coming back in here. Rhodes has just finished kind of, you know, relaying this story, this, uh, you know, this history of him and Hyacinth Corrin uh, and, you know, how their lives were, were intertwined, kind of like leading up to this, this, the last moment they saw each other before earlier this evening. And we've just heard the sound of of Troubadour's footsteps coming down the tunnels, right? The 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 bootfall. The the door to the infirmary opens and Troubadour is there, you know, scatter mask on, the you know, the heavy like tactical poncho, gloves and boots. But I think that they they look a little more disheveled than usual. You know, I think that they've usually got like a pretty like crisp, kind of clean presentation, and I feel like uh, their gear is almost kind of like thrown on, right? The, the, the poncho is kind of hanging at a weird angle. You know, like they've rushed to get here. And, you know, as they, they step into the room, I think there's like a, a, a beat uh, where they're just like looking at the three of you, kind of analyzing the situation. And then they speak. I'm glad to see everyone seems to be mostly in, in one piece. Rhodes, are you all right? I'll be all right. Good. It was. Uh, it must have been terrifying. I, I've heard what happened, or at least the reports I was able to get. It's not my first time. Won't be the last either. <laughs> um, and you know they they turn to look at. I guess they look between the three of you, uh, and then they, you know they ask, "Were you able to retrieve the network device?" Des, you know, flicks his hand up with the the thing, the the um, what was it called again? The ca- the capture um. Do we have a name capture's for it? Cool. I like the capture. capture. Yeah. yeah, the capture. Yeah, the capture yeah. file. And he's like, got it right here. And I think you know, Troubadour's still tense, but I think you know, a little bit of like relaxation, right? Their shoulders drop a little, like you know, they're they are able to finally take a breath. And Sellers Montag, does he know what happened? He, I doubt it. I think knew. What do you mean he knew? You think he knew? On the roof, he said he knew what was going on and That's asked Reba's us to actual. keep it. That's Reba. Oh, yeah. sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> yes, I don't up. think so. Shut up, Rose. Knew. I got <laughs> jo- I got beat up pretty bad. So. <laughs> Chalking that one up to being enervated. <laughs> he hasn't suspected thing. There was a well, a lot going on to distract him when I when I took it, took it away finally. Yeah, I mean, it was a nightmare, but at least it gave us a bit of cover in that regard. So. But what the fuck was that? <laughs> um, and yeah, I think, uh, you know, Troubadour takes the the personal network device from you, Desmond. And you know, I think they, they look at the three of you again and they say, I think it's best if everyone stays here, uh, recuperates, gets a little rest. Coronet Civil Security are still searching the area above. I want to make sure that it's safe for the three of you to hit the streets again before you leave the low tower. And I want to start looking at this. Uh, you know, and they, they lift up in the, the, the capture device. And I think, you know, uh, barring any immediate questions, you know, they kind of like leave everyone to 
Yeah, I, th- I, I think based on our timeline, right, it's probably like four or five in the morning. You know, it's maybe like just sunrise or something or about to be. Uh, I think there's a little time here for everyone to just, you know, I don't think anyone has slept probably since uh, since the encounter with Hyacinth. Um, I think this is a good moment also to hit. I think we forgot to do it slightly earlier, but everyone uh, as, as a part of the, like the start of downtime gets to clear all level one harm and damage that they have. It's kind of like part of the, the natural process of like rest and recuperation. Uh, which I know will be uh, a big boon to you, Rhodes. You have mm-hmm. two level one uh, harms right now. I cleared mine. I yeah, yeah, one. You had, yeah, you had one as well. Cool. There's kind of like a, a weird calm after the storm here, right? I think there is, you know, like there are cots probably in the low tower setup. There is like food available. There are like, like basic ways to like stay alive and kick around for a couple of hours. Uh, but if there's like no other notes here, I think we can kind of just like proceed you know now into the next day or into like uh you know several hours later after everyone's had a chance to to recover yeah and so you know it's probably like yeah like uh eight or nine hours later right troubadour emerges from the, the part of the low tower they've been working in uh, and i think they are accompanied this time by by the uh, attendant of the apparatus uh seldom row um we we met previously who's the kind of like the the big visor uh, attachment and who ha- is helping you decrypt uh, the, the personal network device and hopefully Harlow Shell Spades data cache as well. Uh, and I think this is, is back right in like the briefing room around the hollow table. You know, this uh, this capture device is sitting on that table in the center as Troubadour calls everyone back in. What'd you find? And I think Troubadour looks kind of heavily at you for a moment, Desmond. And they look down. I think like the... The capture device, right, is like on the sitting on this uh, briefing table. They look at that. They look back at you again, and then they kind of straighten their shoulders. Um, I think Troubadour is like, you know, they've got the mask on. They've got all this gear on. But I think just like in body language, you can tell they've just been up this entire time working on cracking this thing. They look kind of tired. We have Shell Spade's location. We were able to pick it out pretty quickly looking through all of Montag's files. He's currently being held at a, a former Commonwealth mining facility uh, that has been decommissioned and converted into a secret Grenfield base of operations. It's not on any of their books. Held privately, kept away from the attention of any other forces within the Commonwealth. And then they, they look back at you one more time, Desmond. Our records indicate that security at the, the Grenfield base, Installation Indigo, they call it, is currently being supplied by an outside contractor. I think I know what you're about to say. It's the marked band, the mercenary unit you met on your first mission. Well, color me surprised. Shellspade is being held there while he's interrogated and forced to continue work on his previous research. We need to recover Shellspade, and more importantly, his biometric data, as quickly as possible. The longer we wait, the greater the chance that they move him or decide that his continued existence is no longer useful to the company's well-being. We're going to continue sifting through the data hall we got off of Montag's network device. Begin preparing a mission dossier. I need all of you to rest, to recuperate, and to get ready. I'd like to move on this as soon as we're able. How much longer is it going to take to decode? A few days at least. We'll want to... Double check all of the data and begin uh, assembling a dossier on this uh, this base of operations, Installation Indigo. I don't want you going in blind. It's just as dangerous as waiting too long. As soon as possible, I want to see everything that was on there. 
I think uh, Troubadour looks at you and then and glances to Seldom Row, who I think is you know, just kind of sitting quietly uh, off to the side. Uh, and, and Troubadour continues, the attendant here, Seldom, will be working more closely with us for the indefinite future while she works on accessing the information on this network device and then eventually decrypting Shell Spade's data cache. She'll be uh, putting together all of the data from the network device and making it available to us uh, as soon as she can. And I am going to, at least for this upcoming, this downtime, and uh, kind of maybe the next few, depending on how these things play out, uh, I'm going to give you guys a a temporary cohort here, which is Seldom Hmm. Row, the attendant of the apparatus. Okay, cool. Um, Basically, as as long as she's here in the base, um, I think she is a... Like I said, a, a temporary cohort, which is worth, uh, we haven't really dealt with cohorts yet, so it's worth kind of talking about them. Cohorts in Beam Saber kind of represent NPCs who directly work for or with your team. They can be either a, a fire team, which is a, a group of agents, or a specialist, a, an individual, especially skilled agent. And that is what uh, Seldom Row is. Seldom Row is a specialist. And so she will have a quality equal to the squad's tier plus one. And since we are uh, a tier one squad, that means she will now have a quality of two. But basically, uh, you know, she exists here as like a a fictional resource for you to lean on. Um, If there are downtime actions that you want to take that she could potentially assist you on, uh, including like sifting through data like that, um, you can get an extra bonus dice for that. You know, she could theoretically be used in missions, but I think she's kind of, yeah, not a pilot, right? Yeah, not a pilot, not yeah, like a, a combatant, right? Get a um, gun in her hand, see what can happen. Um, so each cohort has an expertise, um, and specialists can have any type of specialty. So it's just like the thing she's good at. And I am just going to, on your sheet, list her as an attendant. Um, you know, she's an attendant of the apparatus, which means she is like a an ex, an expert in advanced uh, machinery and like data operations and each cohort, whether they're a fire team or a specialist also gets the game calls edges kind of things about them that are like bonuses or like kind of like a good noteworthy aspects. And they also get flaws. And so uh, as a cohort, uh, seldom row is uh, her edge is that she's independent. She is able to make good decisions and take action without direct orders. Her flaw is that she has obligation. She's not always available due to other responsibilities, illness, etc. Uh, in this case, obviously, her obligation is to uh, the you know the strange machine intelligence that powers the ring's logistical networks. Literally, her flaw is I work too hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, so she will. Yeah, is here for you as a. Uh, a cohort going forward. Yeah, uh, you know, Troubadour, yeah, looks to you, uh, Carta, and says, uh, I guess I looks to all of you and says, you know, the information that you recovered is going to be a, a great boon to the ring. You should all know that. It's not just the work that we're doing right now, which is important work, but the things that we found on Montag's network device, the things we're finding, uh, they will assist uh, countless squads just beyond ourselves, give us real leverage for dealing with Grenfield going forward. You did good work. Well, I'm, I'm glad that we did good work this time. <laughs> yeah. uh, first time for everything. <laughs> and I think, you know, uh, Troubadour, you know, like I said, looks tired. And I think says uh, as much, you know, I have other responsibilities. I, I can't stay in the low tower much longer. Keep your ears open. The call will come out soon. And as soon as it's ready, I want us to be able to move on the shell spade case. 
it's important that we move with uh, speed and surety. Works for me. And I think, you know, uh, uh, Seldom Row gets up and uh, retrieves right, right, right the network device and kind of like heads off into the low tower. I think she has been set up with like a workshop here inside low tower. Uh, one of the many like disused rooms off of one of the tunnels. And so kind of from here, yeah, um, I'm going to want to, you know, the floor over to you guys. I think this is uh, another downtime session. There is, uh, we didn't cover it before. There is an entanglement waiting in the wings. I rolled that last time. Um, we didn't talk about what it is yet. I'm happy to share it now, or, or I can also just show up when it shows up. Drop it on you, yeah. Otherwise, you know, the the floor is kind of over to you guys. Each of you have three downtime actions. I know uh, just based from where we left things off last time, most people in this squad are pretty high on stress. I know that's probably a priority. And we have some like downtime projects or some long-term projects we wanted to work on too. But does anyone know where they want to like kind of open up with? Um, maybe want to jump in yeah. first? I mean, I guess like as we see, you know, um, Troubadour exiting Seldom Row kind of going off to her work her workshop space. Um, you know, as Troubadour kind of told us all to get some rest, I think Card is gonna go lie in his cot and uh try to get some sleep, but I I think it is sleep that's not gonna come. You know, it is it is a sleep that is troubled by so many questions, first off, just what he saw trying to wrap his brain around it. And combined with wanting to know what's on that device so bad, because it's just such a part of like his core and you know knowing the troubadour wants to get on it fast so i think he kind of rolls over in the cot and looks down maybe like whatever the hallway or over into the space and sees seldom i don't know tinkering over it or pulling up the screens whatever this workbench looks like and uh trots on over to just be like so what are you actually doing um yeah <laughs> uh so i think yeah yeah it's like down one of these tunnels right i think you know Maybe it's like light spilling out of the room is the thing that gives it away of like where where her workshop has been set up at. Because I think, uh, you know, as as Carta like uh, kind of comes into the doorway of this like workshop she set up, I think this this workshop has probably been set up over the last several days. Right. Like mm -hmm. uh, while you all were preparing for the Lost Crown Saloon, this is like what Troubadour and Seldom were doing. So, yeah, she's at like a work table, right, covered in like, you know, scattered you know, half disassemble like electronics and tools. I imagine she's got, you know, some kind of like big CRT monitor computer device in front of her, right? And there are like black cables running from it to the uh, the capture device on the table. Um, but this entire room is lit uh, on the walls. I imagine that there are like dozens of monitors, right? Mm -hmm. Different screens from different devices that have been mounted on the wall here, right? Like some of them are like control panels from vehicles. You know, some are like display screens. But so I think the whole room is kind of bathed in like the kind of like gray blue light of these screens on kind of like dead static. And the the floor of the room uh, is covered in black cables, right? Uh, the, yeah. the cables of the apparatus, like snakes running over everything. And I think at the very center of this room, there is something that kind of looks like a like a squat little obelisk or like a like a ziggurat, right? Mm -hmm. Covered in these like flickering black and white alternating uh, like kinetic little flaps. I'm thinking of like the the boards that you see in like old yeah. train stations, yeah. Uh, Solari boards, right? 
It's like, what if there's like a, a pyramid made of just these? Cool. And so there's this constant kind of like almost like skittering sound as these things kind of seem to shift or flutter at random, creating kind of like shifting, you know, almost like psychedelic patterns kind of just shuffling across the, the, the surfaces of this thing. And yeah, I think as you arrive, she, she kind of like looks up and, you know, surprised, looks up at you right uh, with a dead stare of like this kind of like hard plastic visor that she wears. When I was a kid, uh, you know, all these cables, they actually kind of, Kind of scared me. I didn't know what any of it was. <laughs> I, I, I guess I'm not. I'm not scared of it anymore. But I. I still don't know what any of it does. <laughs> what are you doing? I. Do you mind if I. I watch. I'm not gonna sleep. So there's nothing else for me to do. And she invites you in, right? Like Carta, right? That's that's correct. Seldom. And she kind of gestures. You know, I think she like reaches over and there's like a you know a stool at this bench that's just covered in like uh sc- like scrap or like electronics, and she's kind of. I think shuffles them off uh, and, and motions for you to come over. I'm looking through the the data that you found, trying to just uh, organize it, make it more palatable. Uh, there's a lot here. Sellers Montag was not the the most organized. And you're getting the, you're getting the information from from these these tiles they're flipping, or is I understand it. I still find it frightening myself sometimes, but the the apparatus is. It's not like roads, you know. It's not uh, just a, another person. It's bigger. It doesn't think in the way that we think. And it can't... Every food shipment that the ring sends from one planet to another, all of that runs through, right? It's weighed, calculated. Where things are needed, they're sent. The, the apparatus does all of that. But it does a lot more, too. And you can't always... It doesn't always tell you just what it wants exactly. Sometimes you have to divine the meaning. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess that, that, that makes sense. When you take a shot, you're a, a marksman, I've heard. Yeah, you've heard. Well, that's, <laughs> that's very cool. Uh, yeah. It's not just aiming the gun. It's the, the, the you feel the breeze, right? The, the change in the air. Yeah, the way you breathe. Yeah. Exactly. The apparatus is tracking all of that for us. All of it. The way that the ring breathes, the change in the wind. Sending things where they need to be, sending people where they need to be. Wow, no, I I never really thought of it that way. That I guess I always yeah, I just thought it was food shipments, who's on planet, who's off. But <laughs> that is that's 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 a really it's a really big machine. <laughs> it is a big machine. <laughs> He's just a Mine simple is- country fella. <laughs> <laughs> um, Gee whiz, you know I I don't know really anything that's going on, but uh, you know when I was a Kid, my dad used to, you know, have me stand around and hand him wrenches. I'm not going to sleep. So if you, if you don't mind, I, I'll be here to hand your wrenches. You know, I, I just, I would love to get to know uh, what, what's going on here so that we we can get that quicker. I, I want the information on there so, so badly. I don't even think Troubadour understands how much I want the information on there. What's your stake in this? I mean, revenge, honor. It's just, it's been the one thought I've had in my mind since the day they killed my parents. So the state, this, everything, everything is tied into the information that I could get from that. The the people, it might be the finger that points me at the people I need to go after. It's everything to me. When I was young, I, I lost my family as well. Not in the, not exactly the same way, I think case of revenge for me, but I have spent most of my life trying to figure out why that happened, why I'm still here. It's why I do all of this. And she, you know, 
gestures at this kind of laboratory that uh, we are in. And I assume this is this is working towards you working on your long term project, right? Yeah, uh, either long term project or can can it be two things at once, like a long term project working on that and at the same time doing like working on training? Like uh, I was thinking, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it doing a little like in, I guess like it would be training insights for like engineering or yeah. things like that. But just having it be both things because it is working on that longer term project of getting that information so I can power map Grenfield, all those things, but also training so that maybe when we do get into the facility, I might have a little bit more knowledge of what can be gathered when I'm in the rooms where they have equipment or, you know, just being generally more efficient and aware on the technology aspect of, you know, of being a pilot. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, uh, I think seldom, right, like pulls out uh, like another like, you know, data pad, right, with like a screen, like a, a keyboard attached and like kind of like runs another one of these cables up from the ground uh, that like splits and connects half into the the network device and then, then connects into this, uh, this data pad that she set up for you. And, you know, I think there's just so much information here. Maybe a lot of it is like just like starting to like group and categorize things and like running searches to see what's getting pulled up so that you can like then start categorizing like files and folders further. Okay. So yeah, I think this is um if you want to do both of those things, that's a great way to knock out two at one. Um so yeah, if you're training insight, uh you can go ahead and mark an experience point in your insight. And then so this is I like, also working on the the long term project Power mapping Grenfield, that was the one yes. we were working on? Yeah. What is this, uh, what action are you using to work on this, you think? I mean, I guess it would be engineer, uh, engineer, build or tinker with an object. You might develop a non-contagious strain of the flu, might fix a broken door. You could make an inventory program, but interface might be better. That's like the angle card is coming at it from. I think that, yeah, that, that works for me. Um, so you, you start with one dice, uh, and then because Seldom Row is assisting you here, um, I think you will take a, a second dice. That's two to start. You could also spend a personnel to take, get an extra dice here if you wanted to. How many personnel do we have? Four material and three personnel. Does anyone else need or should? Ah, I mean, I also have two dice going forward. I could just. You can also spend the point after the fact to increase the. Like... Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll, you know, I'll just start with two and. Yeah. Six and a four. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Um. So on a six, that is uh, three segments ticked, uh, which means I believe that will fill your clock, right? That will complete this project. Ooh. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well done. That's a good roll. Yeah. I, <laughs> I feel like every other time it's been like you get one segment. On yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. That's that's three segments on a six. So you have completed power mapping Grenfield. Uh, so you'll also take a. Another tick in your drive clock. Tick in my drive clock. Okay. Uh, I just added that. So maybe it is just needing something to like distract your mind with that you just really lose focus in it. But I think you're probably in there with seldom for like hours, right? Yeah. And also time just disappears in this room, right? You're just bathed in the glow of these monitors. And the only sound is like the hum of machinery and like the click clack of this thing behind you. Uh, but I think... Uh, you know, on a on a six, right? On fin on finishing this clock, right? Like, um, you know, maybe it's uh, you know, 
because you have seldom row helping you, right? She's utilize helping you utilize the apparatuses, uh, kind of like deep data diving abilities to like really refine the things that you're searching for. Mm-hmm. Pulling like, you know, kind of like maybe specific names or dates or references that Carta has, right? Yeah. Uh, and then there's like, I think a point during the, the day or the night or whenever you're working on this that she she stops and like looks up at you, looks back at the at her data pad, and then she brings you over. I think there's something you should see that seems relevant to the Black Star's current mission and, and to your own your own work. Uh, but I think that you get there's a hidden file on the network device. Uh, or not just a hidden file, there's a hidden folder, rather. I know how this ends. Seldom, uh, uh, Sellers Montag has been... Taking some photos no one was meant to see. (laughs) (laughs) We're not supposed to see. I don't think we should be seeing this. Sorry. Oh my god, is that... There's a a second hidden folder. Um... (laughs) In the second hidden folder, there is kind of like the, the blueprints of sort of uh, Sellers Montag's like um, get out of Grenfield package, right? It is mm. uh, a collection of like blackmail and kind of like, you know, company secrets that he thinks are uh, valuable enough to be able to sell to a different company. Compromise. But specifically, I think that these, it seems like all of this work around the, the oracalcum lattice, right? The, the research that Shell Spade was working on. Is all kind of under the umbrella of something that Grenfield calls the, the Nexus Initiative, and I think there's a few things that come clear to you really quickly is that this Nexus Initiative is kind of like the the most secret thing happening at Grenfield right now. It is like very explicitly kept off the books in almost every way uh, available to Grenfield, or otherwise made to look like kind of like. You know, if it's not hidden, then it is made to look like just kind of like routine updating to uh, Grenfield's Oracalcum discovery algorithms. Amongst the the other things I think like that are in this, you're kind of able to find like the people who are at the heart of this uh, this initiative, or the people who have like most profited over it. And you're also able to trace the history a little bit, right? Which runs back about like the last decade or so. I think we talked about this, you know, maybe 15 years. It, it lines up very closely. Yeah. With the with the death of your parents, Carta, and so I think you get a better kind of you know map of like who are the people involved here, who knows about this thing, and you know probably some like light history. I think that your parents' names probably show up in this, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think it shows up in that some of the earliest findings that tipped Grenfield off to the fact that there was something happening with the Oracalcum on Ember beyond just like it being a planet rich with it came about from like scans and surveying that the the Heshketh family was doing right? the, the, their operation and the people who were directly involved in that who were a part of like the discovery of that outside of your your parents mm-hmm. are all people who have done very well in Grenfield over the last 10 years and so you know I think you get like a, a big list of names of like lower level people different surveyors things like that um but like you know the four most important names that i think you walk away with um the people who are all kind of profiting the most off of uh this kind of ongoing work on the net this nexus initiative who are most invested in it and yeah four names i think you get felicity wintrove an oracalcum researcher who was i think involved with the project very early on in recognizing the importance of what was discovered in those scans coming out of like the the Heshkoth operation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you get the name Stead Fieldprice, 
um, who is now one of the head surveyors uh, for Grenfield's, uh, you know, like new discoveries division, and who was kind of like the the direct superior uh, who monitored and reported the the Heshketh family's findings at the time. And then two names that you know, but that kind of like are slotted back into place here as an understanding, right? Wager Felbar, which is a name that you came across before, who is Meyer Grenfield's kind of right-hand man, his sort of like fixer within the company, personally responsible for overseeing security operations for this Nexus initiative, and who, you know, I think working through what Montag has also been able to piece together is almost certainly the person who oversaw the retrieval of the data that your parents found and likely oversaw like their killing as well. And then, you know, the final name on this is like not a, a mystery at all, right? You've known it from the beginning. Uh, but it is Meyer Grenfield himself, eldest son of the Grenfield family, the one who is in charge of the company's affairs on Ember, who gave authorization on all of these orders and who has has been actively working on this project in attempt to subvert the all of the other companies that are uh, kind of in power in the Commonwealth on Ember and raise Grenfield's own standing uh, and his own standing within his family as well. Uh, and so I think those are like the names of like, you know, the four people that like you can point to as directly being involved in like the the project uh, that was started at the cost of your own parents' lives. All right. Sucks to be stead. So... Can I ask a question? Yeah. Like, so we got a little bit of background there, and like, clearly, there's some other members in the Nexus. There's some big heads in the Nexus initiative that ended up in high places. What's like the Heshketh family's background? Like, I know you know you grew up kind of rougher, but I think that has to do with your parents' death. But like, are they also like a noble family? Like, Heshketh's not a Grenfield no name. No. Um. You know, I think that they were kind of just like for lack of a better word like i don't know i don't know what a freelance surveyor is but they were people who had like the skill and the machinery mm-hmm. to do that and people would hire them to be like hey we're thinking of building this here or we're checking to see if there's a place for a well and they'd come out and they'd do general surveying of the land being like this is not going to be a good place for this you're you don't have any like access to groundwater here or uh i think that there also is a certain level of like in the way that they surveyed a little bit of like kind of geologist you know you could do soil sampling and so i think in general that that's kind of what they did um the land where they were uh surveying do we do we already establish like where it is exactly i don't remember if um, I don't think we have. Um, in my mind, it was probably somewhere kind of in the southeast of the basin and kind of like the they're colloquially called the Blasted Hills. They have like mm-hmm. a different name in the Commonwealth, but it is kind of like the biggest stretch of land that is like home to the richest orichalcum veins. Right. Yeah. I think also, you know, probably something you find in like these notes, right, is that like I don't think that the Heshket family is like the only group of people that have been silenced over the last several yeah. years. Right? Yeah. Like, I think that there are other surveyors, you know, names that show up of people who have like found evidence that was like covered up by Grenfield or incorporated into the initiative. Uh, so, you know, I like, right. There's like, maybe there's, there could be another Carta out there probably. Right. There might yeah. be a few oh, of them in that way. I'm sure. Um, yeah. But yes, I mean, that's like, you know, the big, picture view of like what you've uncovered right is like uh, like i said names and i think like just like a much 
broader sketch of like what is happening at Grenfield? What was the kind of motivating incident for like why this thing happened to your family? Mm-hmm. But if you have more specific questions, I'm like, you know, you you filled that clock. I'm down to answer whatever. I think right now the questions will will come as Carter spends a bit more time researching, like really going through the data cache. Um, I think that there's a little bit more work to be done now that these names are things that he has. But for right now, I think that that is, I mean, that's a lot for him to, to take in and a lot to, to see those four names, like so directly listed for him. I think after he sees the, those names and kind of like, after all this is like, he realizes how immensely tired he is. <laughs> like, it's been a day. It's been a day and a, like the final, you know, kind of psychic beam to his brain is having those names put out for him. So I think, you know, maybe Seldom Row sees that and is like, you should go. Reaching over and like gently closing like right the laptop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like... I'm going to get out of here. So I think that that is a good Carta just like after that, you know, thanks Seldom Row and kind of just walks over, back over to his cot and just like kind of. So as face a, first, oh, no. Oh. As as you get back to your cot, Des is laying in your cot. <laughs> Why are you in my cot? He looks up. He's reading one of those uh, Send Bellwether books, and he's like, "Oh, uh, I couldn't sleep. I was uh, looking for you. What are you doing right now?" Um, I don't know. You up for a little side mission? <laughs> 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 Give me ten minutes. We all we all have that one homie. <laughs> Give me ten minutes. I'm okay. Yeah, we we cut to we're walking down the street, and it's it's maybe um, what time of day is it? Is maybe like just after dark? Yeah, yeah. Does that feel right? Oh, this is the next day. The next day. Yeah. I mean, we were doing that for hours. Yeah. Maybe it's like yeah, just hitting dark uh, night again. Like, yeah, yeah. Just hitting night again. Yeah. Um, Card is drinking whatever the equivalent of a Ember Red Bull. <laughs> yeah. uh, red red triabs. Red triabs. Red triabs. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Crimson triabs. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Overwalk. Hey, thanks. TM, TM, Th- TM. Thanks for helping me out with this. Uh, I just. <laughs> I don't know. I was just trying to sleep and I just remembered something that I'd forgotten years ago. I, it's, I don't know. I'm going to see if it's still there. Yeah. I'm glad to help you with this. Mm-hmm. What is this? Well, you'll, you'll see. You'll see. You know. Yeah. Well, I, another you know, surprise. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I've been thinking it, it, why would Troubadour put two people who both want revenge on the same squad. I don't know. Why does Troubadour disappear without a, a trace on time? I, I don't know why Troubadour does anything, man. I, I, maybe it's the apparatus, because that, that, that thing knows so much. Maybe there's something bigger than Troubadour, I, but I, I couldn't tell you. I mean, I want to think it's because... I mean, I don't know. What, it, what, is, it, what is the actual connection between us? There's got to be a better, bigger, overarching reason for this thing. It's not just revenge. It's something else. I just don't know what it is. Uh, well, it's it, it's coming up. Follow me. I think we uh, we pull into a uh, sort of side street, and uh, there's an old sort of 
abandoned kind of like brick building clearly used to be like a factory or something. And um, I say like, okay, here, uh, hold, hold open this, um, this, like this gate while I shimmy in there. I, I can't hold it and get in there at the same time. Now, I'll, I'll come back around and let you in the front door. All right. Yeah. <laughs> gate, consider the gate help. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> the gate, I shimmy in there, you know, there's sirens in the distance. Down the door, it creaks open. And you're like, hey, come in, come in, this way. Des is going to kill Carta. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there can only be one person who wants revenge on the team. <laughs> in through the door. Okay. I think it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Up these steps. Well, watch your step. They may crumble underneath your feet. And we go all the way up to like this sort of top room in this abandoned room. And, um, we come this to this door. Tower? <laughs> this this is the old hideout. Oh, now, hold on! And Did we it get always this, look like we, this. No, well, I mean, kind of. Yeah, it actually I mean, <laughs> it didn't I mean, look much. We live better. in a tunnel underground. I guess I can't yeah. say much. Uh, here, uh, can you give me a hand? There's like a lo- secret loft up here. Do you need me to lift you? Yeah, or? just just give just give me a just give me a leg up. All right. Uh, and I'm crawling around in this like loft area, and um, I find this brick, and I sort of pull the brick open. And behind the brick, there's like a little cigar box. And I take the cigar box out, and I open it up. And inside, there's like a picture of like the Belfry boys, like from, you know, when we were like first started, you know? Yeah, cool gang photo. Yeah, yeah. The cool gang photo, yeah. right? It's in sepia for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we can only do ten types on Ember. Exactly. Totally yeah. uh, but fold it up and put it in my pocket, and also in there is like a little like Zippo. Like really crudely is carved in it. It says Dez. Oh, nice. Nice. And I grab that, and I come back down, and I look a little disappointed. What's up? Yeah, it wasn't there. I'll ask, what was not there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't worry, don't worry about it. Uh, here, I have this. I toss you the zippo. All right. Well, I'm, apparently, I'm not in a worried mood tonight. <laughs> what is? Does it work? It does it. I mean, I, I don't know. The 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 liquid's probably dried out, but try it. Flick it. Give it a flick. 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 Yeah, see, it's sparking. Did, is this this for me or? Yeah, have it. I'm trying to fucking <laughs> oh. bond with you right now, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You were the hardest person to bond with sometimes. I wanted to say I'm sorry, too. Sorry. F- for I, what, I, man? I, I don't know. I, I maybe questioned a couple of the things you did in the last mission, and, and you were right, and I'm sorry. And we we did that shit, man. You know, Rhodes got Rhodes got to showboat, and you know, I hey, I had a pretty good time too. Yeah, he didn't get any drinks out of it. Yeah. <laughs> no, man, I. You know, those moments are tense. We we're thinking on our feet, and it, what matters at the end of the day is that we got it. We fucking got it. That information right now is being processed. In days, we're gonna have it. Not only do we get it, we got out of there with both of our heads, like. It doesn't matter how it happened. Is that it did, man. Hell yeah. And you made it happen. That, that's <laughs> on you. I can talk a big game and I can distract somebody, but at the end of the day, you did that, man. Thank, 
thanks for the lighter. Yeah, you're welcome. I'll buy the cigars. And let's roll. <laughs> is that... Do, do you want that to be? Is that like a cut loose here? Is yeah. That, yeah. Yeah, it could be us actually going to get cigars and filling yeah, the yeah, yeah. up get with cigars. Yeah, refilling the Zippo that, mm-hmm. you know, Cardi keeps in a very special pocket, you know, maybe inside one of his like. Bandolier. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um, uh, do we want to collapse? Are you both going to cut loose here? Is that do you want to both like, kind of make this the, the one for both of you? We could do that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's 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 call this a, a a dual cut loose. Yeah, so you're both gonna roll dice equal to the number of ticks in your connection clock with the pilot joining you. Um, and so I think you both have two Ooh. with each other. Yeah. yeah. So you're both gonna roll two d six, and then reduce stress by the highest result. Okay. Uh, and you're both also gonna get a new tick in your connection clocks with each other, which will put you both at three. Mm-hmm. Which means that next mission, it will take three stress for either of you to assist the other. Oh, boy. But you'll be able to give each other three benefits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if you cut loose the next time with each other, you will reset this clock and gain an experience point. Let's see. Right. Let's get a roll. Yeah. Both of us fives. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you both feel, maybe feel fairly equally de-stressed. I think... I think Des reaching yeah. out to at least acknowledge that, you know, maybe I didn't listen and felt good because the acknowledgement is all that really mattered and we got the job done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Feels good, man. Nice. So the, I think that puts you both down to two stress. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. That ain't a bad place to be for the next mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that is uh, a cut loose. Um that's that's all of Carta's normally a lot of downtime actions. You can always spend more supply points to take more downtime actions if there's anything else you wanted to accomplish, Carta. Uh, but yeah, does anyone want to, you know, do you, do you have anything, Rhodes? You want to jump in with one? Yeah, maybe we can like flip back. I think Rhodes has been more or less kind of like, I don't think he's left like the infirmary ward here. And I think that's probably both because of the... Uh, harm he's like working to you know resolve right now but i think he's also like i know uh just like is carrying on a theme unable to sleep right like i think restless having these kind of like every time he's you know kind of shutting down or like closing his eyes i think like images of you know feldspar flashing before him or flashing back to hyacinth and all these different kind of like clashes uh and i think ultimately you know that like train of thought leads to like what is this is the first time in a long time that he's i think kind of come to terms with like that he has picked the red shift back up and there's some like responsibility i think weighing on him right or like even kind of like a moral argument maybe in his head like is this what is the cost right like uh, of potentially using this like weapon even on the side of the ring like it's it's dangerous and i think this kind of leads back to sojourn vale mentioned a mendicant Right. Like when Rhodes was asking about first era relics, like who is someone to find who might know more? And I think that's where I want to lead with like downtime is I want to try and push this clock forward to like find a uh, like a first era expert. Mm -hmm. And my other downtime, I want to try and fill this like um, healing clock. So I don't know if I should kind of do that now before I leave the infirmary and then go try to trace a lead like a. 
But yeah, I think uh, if you want to do your recovery, I do think uh, while you have her on deck, I think that Seldom Row can probably help repair roads. I don't think she can act as a doctor for the yeah. the, the the like biologicals on the team. But I think in terms of like repairing machinery, she can probably be a doctor for roads. Uh, okay. So if you want to roll using her quality, I think that that could be a, a yeah. Yeah, and that doesn't, it can be a scene or it doesn't have to be, but I, th- I think, right, yeah, she could serve as the doctor for the purposes of, like, uh, fixing roads up on this role. Yeah, and I, I like the, like, there's an attendant of the apparatus here, so maybe it's, like, even that the, you know, she's wheeling in, like, the cables or something, right? Like oh, that, absolutely, like- right. Yeah, yeah, she comes in with a cart, you know. Big spool. Well, it's like a diagnostics thing, right? Like, she's a cart with, like, a diagnostic machine on it, and all of these other, like, you know, like, Things for like cut, you know, like uh, like cold welding things or like you know cutting plates and stuff, right? Uh, like plate replacements, probably, right? Because your your main harm at this moment is bleeding, uh, which I think is from being stabbed in the back, quite literally, by uh, Hyacinth last time, if I recall correctly. Uh, yes, I got like kind of stabbed through. <laughs> And so, yeah, I think, right, yeah, she probably does, like, start kind of, like, there's a machine and she's pulling the, this, you know, this black striated cabling out of it. Plus, it's, like, weird uh, fundamental damage, right? Like, uh, we talked about, like, cauterizing instantly, like, that Quicksilver. I don't know if there's, like, a, a thing you want to say to her here or if you just want to, like, kind of roll this. Um... Uh, yeah, I actually, now that I'm thinking about it, like, I think the thing that won't heal, isn't healing on its own, is this, like... Uh, wound from being like stabbed through with that like quicksilver knife. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. And I think, you know, they, they probably have some back and forth, right? Where she's like, I can't doctor you, right? But it probably can, right? Like it didn't appear, but I think she says something like, you know, but it's probably going to hurt. Yeah, yeah, of course it is, right? And so I think this is like a, you know, like, just do it and throws some switch on the cart where you see like, I think you even see the cables like tense up, right? Like, uh, like, like a jolt like moves through them. I think like roads probably you can see like straining here and your camera probably is a really tight cut to just his face wincing. And then well, I think we see like on the, you know, the like decimated like circuitry and like cordage of like the wound in Rhodes's shoulder, right? around like the ragged edges there. I think that you can see there are like, you know, still flecks of this quicksilver, right? This kind of swirling, like mercurial, uh, like metal, right? It is like clung to the wound it inflicted, right? Uh, and that's the thing that's like preventing her from closing it at first. And so maybe this, yeah, like the apparatus device is like delivering some kind of charge that like neutralizes that, like that metal that has been preventing your wound from healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it does hurt, right? Um, yeah, I'm looking for the, uh, rule on rolling for recovery. Yeah, you roll equal to the quality of the person healing you, uh, and then you mark segments on your healing clock equal to the result of that roll. One through a three, you get one segment, four and five, two segments, six is three segments. Your healing clock already is at two of four segments, so you just need a four or a five to downgrade this to a, a level one harm. Okay. And so she is, uh, because she's a specialist, she gets uh, quality equal to your tier plus one. So that is going to be two dice out of the gate to to recover with. I think that's plenty. Yeah, and you can always spend supply points after the fact to like increase your, your roll. Yeah, I only need two. So I'm going to roll 2d6. Uh, it's a five and a three. Yeah, five. Um, so that will fill your healing clock. And we will take away bleeding, and it'll downgrade to... 
Uh, what's the what's like the the lingering effect here from all of this? I think there's like maybe like the uh, Quicksilver interference or something, right? Like or um, I like I like Quicksilver interference. Your systems are like still not. Oh, you know what it is, right? I think this is actually going to affect some of your abilities. Like, and instead of this being like a a wound that's going to give you less effect on physical actions. I think like there's a moment when she like, is is working on this, you know, Rhodes is having these dreams of, of Hyacinth, of the Redshift, of, you know, of, of Feldspar and Orcus 5. And I think there's a moment when she's working on you when in the corner of the room. It's Hyacinth standing there in the corner, but it's mm. not the Hyacinth that you fought in the Lost Crown Saloon, right? It's Hyacinth from Feldspar standing in the corner of the room watching you. Uh, you know, and then the next moment he's not there, right? It is just yeah. kind of like brief vision that you've received. But so I think when it comes to things like studying or surveying, Rhodes' perceptions are maybe like a little unreliable. Yeah, and I, I think that like tracks this idea that I'm talking with. Like, I think Rhodes is just kind of feeling haunted by the past here. And I think, you know, he's like, well, you know, like at some point later, like coming to here, you know, I think probably like pulls himself up out of bed. Uh, I think he'd probably ask Seldom Row, right? Like, I, I have one more favor to ask of you. And perhaps you or the great machine may know. I gotta check my notes. I don't know much about this contact, right? Like, just that there is a mystic. So what we know from the tick that you have on the segment so far, there is a, uh, what what is called sometimes a mendicant, which is like a a former concordat thaumaturge who has become an apostate or a heretic. He has, has left the concordat uh, and become kind of a reclusive mystic. And so there's, yeah, there's this guy, his name is Abel Selkirk is the name that Sojourn Vale gave you back when you were amongst the drovers. Uh, and she told you, yeah, that he was a, a, a mendicant, a former concordat mystic who uh, had an expertise in first era technology and who had been on Ember for a few years, uh, had spent some time uh, talking with drovers, not just her, but uh, like several other kind of, you know, keepers from other drover bands and that she felt he was maybe the the best bet that she could think of of someone who could be, who would know more about what the Redshift is, what, mm-hmm. you know, who knew more about like first era technology in general. Uh, yeah, I think I would ask Seldom to like query the apparatus for any kind of detail or lead on like ring intelligence for this uh, Abel Selkirk character. Yeah, she she can help you with that, right? Um, you know, this is like after you've finished up the recovery, right? You know, she's kind of like she's shocked you with this machine to kind of destroy most of the remaining Quicksilver. Uh, and I think she tells you, you know, whatever whatever it was you were you were stuck with, it, it's going to continue affecting you for a little bit. The the device I used was able to neutralize most of it. The rest of it you'll have to work through on your own. But if you come with me to my workshop, we can see what we can find out about this person. I think he's like probably just kind of like rubbing the shoulder or something like above this wound. And I think just kind of feeling it out right? like moving, moving around a little bit, but he follows. Yeah. And so you guys go back to this, uh, this like workshop. And I think as you walk into the workshop, right, there's this flickering tile ziggurat in the center, right? I think as soon as Rhodes walks into the room with seldom, the, the flickering changes. It, it doesn't, it's just like starts to take on like a different kind of pattern. This kind of like, yeah, starts like radiating in waves over and over itself. Um, just kind of like a, a sh- it's 
it's not spelling anything out. There's not you don't make a shape out in it, but it's just the pattern distinctly changes as Rose walks into the room with Seldom, you know, and as I think you're kind of hidden there and she's starting to like pull out right like uh, one of the many data pads scattered across the room. Uh, you know, I think she looks at you and says, I think it finds you interesting. It's just doing this all the time. Always. What is it doing? Output. It's information. I used to think that I could divine meaning from the the flow, the the change of the shape. There are many amongst my order who still still try, but I think Rhodes kind of like re- tries reaching out or something. Uh, like it's it, you can see these waves kind of emanating. Uh, it's like in the tile. It's like the flickering, right? Like the the pattern on the board has changed basically, mm. uh, right? Like before it was just kind of like random shuddering. Now it's kind of yeah, doing these almost like waves across its surface over and over. Oh, and I guess he'd like hesitate, like pull back or something, right? I was just curious if it was like reacting to him. Uh, I mean, it definitely happened as soon as you came into the room, right? Yeah, I was going to just say like, what, why me? You know, and I think uh, she says, I think it's because you're like this place. Ember? Yes. I don't understand. A ghost, haunted, unfinished. And I think uh, when she says unfinished, she looks away from you towards a wall. But I think you can clock. She's looking where the redshift is, like through tunnels, like across, you know, this network of the low tower in like the hangar bay. Mm. I think he kind of like looks and realizes she's looking at a wall. It's just unfinished. Um, and then, you know, I think she sits down at the desk, right? Abel Selkirk, you said? Mendicant? Um, yes, that's all the information I have. Works with some drovers, known in the dust. So what is Rhodes using to work on this project? What, what skill do you want to use here? I guess this is probably study. Yeah, study works here. Yeah, I think probably study. Do you have one in study to start, it looks like? Um, you will get another one f- working with your cohort here. Yeah, let's do that. So that's 2d6. Oh, it's a six. All right. So that'll fill your clock here also. We're really just knocking out projects today, huh? Yeah, I guess yeah, so. Yeah, that's three segments on your four-segment clock for Find a First Era Expert. I think uh, at some point during this process, as you're like digging through like information on these computers... I think there's a moment where where Seldom takes one of these black cables and I've described before, right? She has this like big visor that has its own cables running from it into like input jacks on the back of her neck and the sides of her head. Um, Like she is like cybernetically augmented. Mm -hmm. And I think she takes one of these apparatus cables and plugs it into one of these ports behind her ear. And she's like using this kind of to like uh, more efficiently navigate the the reams of data that you're working through. But I think there's like a, a point during all of this when, you know, so her hands fall away at her sides and she kind of stiffens like her posture, you know, and, and turns to look like this blank gaze towards Rhodes. What? What is it saying? And, you know, I think she speaks in a voice that is like, is her voice, but is, you know, it's like a little bit more neutral. And, you know, I think it's like reading off like a, a file, right? It's like subject, Abel Selkirk, designation, mendicant, former concordat thaumaturge, status, independent. Uh, and as she's <laughs> saying this, uh, I think there are like printers in this room, right? That have started to like, just shoot out page after page. It is like aerial maps of portions of the basin and it is like uh files kind of piling up assessment unmeasured fundamental ability access to deep reserves of first era knowledge high potential for unanticipated action outside parameters and i think these these maps that are printing out uh start out as like a wide image of the basin and narrow in and narrow in and narrow in 
until we're looking at like a hilly region and on a topographical map to the south of Coronatus. Uh, you know, I think at this point, classic like movie psychic shit. I think there's like a little bit of like, uh, you know, a, a minor nosebleed starts for Seldon Row. <laughs> Is he just coming from the bottom of the visor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the visor's like right above the bridge of her nose. So I think I can see her nose. Yeah, right. Um, uh, And I think that's like shortly after that, she unplugs and her her posture slackens a a little bit again. She's like fully there again. And yeah, you have like a just this large pile of printouts of like maps and more information. But I think you get the the kind of the basics here. You know, uh, as we've already like learned but I think a little bit more specifically right here, uh, Abel Selkirk is a, a former thaumaturge of the Concordat, a high ranking one, right? Like uh, seems to have come from like the core worlds of the Concordat uh, originally. Uh, and at some point in the last century, uh, denounced the Myriad way and became a wandering mystic. You know, I think you get like a like uh, an encyclopedic summary right here that the men of the mendicants here, the mendicants were once a reclusive religious order of uh, concordat apostates long since hunt down and eliminated. Right. Abel Selkirk has taken up the name, but like the old order is gone. Got contact reports uh, with Selkirk from drovers, but also from other attendants of the apparatus. He has spoken to attendants before he has spoken to ring scientists. Right. He has been talking to people on Ember for, you know, the last several years, primarily people who seem to have like an interest in the fundament or in the ecology of Ember. Uh, It seems to be like the area of focus he has been spending his time on. Uh, And then, yeah, you've got this map that kind of like describes a small region in the south of Coronatus, where it is like kind of like, I think rumored uh, or like, you know, reports seem to uh, point towards uh, like some kind of encampment where Abel Selkirk has been conducting his research. Probably, probably we also get right like um, black and white, like a really grainy like uh, photo copy of like a picture of him. What's he look? Yeah, An older man. Uh, my face cast here is like uh, Donald Sutherland. Uh huh. Yep. But especially Donald Sutherland in Pride and Prejudice when he's got this long hair. Okay, I like it. Wow, yeah. that's not what I was expecting, but cool. I mean, from from uh, Sutherland, not from Selkirk. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like this, uh, you know, this, this older man, right? Like, uh, you know, just for the reader who's not, for the reader, who the listener who has not looked it up yet, Donald Sutherland, uh, great actor uh, in his elder years, especially in, in Pride and Prejudice here, like white hair. Uh, and so, yeah, I think with this, Rhodes, you have all of the information that you need to track down Abel Selkirk, uh, to find him outside of Coronatus uh, and where his, his camp is located. Same thing I said to Carter earlier, if you have like specific questions about him that like, could be answered theoretically by this, like I'm happy to answer them now. Uh, also, just like Carter, you should take a, take a segment on your drive clock here um, for completing this project. So I think like Rose is kind of like flipping through all of these you know, printouts that are just like, I'm imagining coming from every direction, right? Yeah, like there's the like walls seven are just printers like, in here, all in different points of the room, and they're just sh- like spitting out paper, right? And I think, you know, it's a cl- like he's holding printer paper that's like still coming out, like back when it was all connected. Those were the days. That was cool printer yeah, paper. Yeah, right? It comes out as a scroll um, for sure. That's great. I love that, yeah. And he's like looking through, you know, thaumaturge, core worlds, communication ring scientists. Why would the Concordat let him live? Um, and I think, you know, <laughs> right. I think like looking through the information, it's not a matter of letting. He is to this day still a wanted person, right? You know, he is a fugitive of the Concordat as much as Rhodes is or any other, uh, you know, like apostate. 
probably more to be learned there. Uh, the other thing I can say, like, just like off the top of the dome, looking at my, my own notes here, the timeline also throws, it, he's been in opera, operation for at least 100 years. I think you've got like a century worth of sightings here. Interesting. Only on Ember for like the last, you know, five or six, maybe a little bit longer. But, you know, reports uh, of his activities, you know, go back. Okay, that's interesting. Contact with ring settlements on other planets before this. The apparatus like digging through its deep reserves of just all the information that is fed into it, right? You know, almost anytime anyone writes like any kind of like report for a committee or a uh, syndic or a guild or something within the ring, and that is, uh, you know, submitted to like the the rings like network that gets brought into the apparatus. That is n- another piece for it. Is there any detail on the kind of installation where he's working? Is he there alone? That I think is unclear, right? I, I think, uh, you know, uh, it's like an encampment. Uh, it is not in a settlement. I think, you know, it is uh, alone insofar as like, it, there's not like a, a town around him. He's like out rural, but like, there's just there's, there's not enough information for it to tell. Okay, you. I think that's pretty much all the questions I have. I guess the only thing I was curious about, but I doubt there'll be information. Is like, what do we know anything specific about what he's working on? Um, like I said, I think you get like a broad picture here, right? Um, he's talking to drovers. He is talking to like ring scientists and especially like ring ecologists who have been uh, on Ember. Like the longer, the better. You know, probably like unconfirmed reports of him also talking to people at the the University of Coronatus, right? The the academy there. UCOR. So I like, you know, I think the the two things that jump out to you is like, what is he looking at on Ember? It is like something to do with like Ember's own, like the state of Ember's ecology. And then also, yeah, like kind of like experts in, you know, fundamental mechanics, I think is like probably the other thing. Um, so it leaves us, uh, you still have one downtime left, Rhodes, and Desmond, you still have two downtime actions left, I believe. Do you know what your next, next one is, Des? Yeah, I'm going to try and find some info on the Nightflyer Society. Yeah, that's the 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 group whose pins you saw on some Chiroptyran gangster at uh, the Lost Crown Saloon, right? Yes. It was the, the sigil of a, a one-eyed bat on a moon, the symbol that he was wearing. Mm-hmm. And we know, uh, I think we say this before, but the the former leader of the Belfry Boys, sometimes called the One-Eyed Bat. Yeah, how do you want to work on that? What, what does that look like? This is starting a new long-term project, right? Because um, we, we don't have one of these already. Yeah, we finished uh, the uh, Butte the Brute Halloran intel. Yeah, um, I think this is also probably a four-segment clock. Okay. Because you're just kind of getting like your initial pass of like intel about like what the Night Flyer Society is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll just call this Night Flyer Society intel. Yeah. So how does uh, Desmond want to work on this clock? What does that look like here? Well, I misread one of the um, assets we have <laughs> or the, one of the squad upgrades. And I thought that um, the loyal bar upgrade can get a... Uh, um, 1D to gather information, but that's only about the current or upcoming mission. Yes. So I don't really have anything else planned other than I will just go to work and see if anybody's talking about it there or if, or if, or if I can ask somebody who, who may know. Yeah. I, I think that yeah. that still like applies, you know, even if we're not getting like the mechanical bonus here, you know, you, you work at the sixth moon. We've established the sixth moon is kind of like a, a ring bar where you get people probably coming in, you know, from all over Coronatus, like, you know, different, you know, I imagine this is 
maybe, you know, because this is a thing that can give you bonuses to gathering information, right? Probably there are other like kind of like ring spies meeting here and stuff, right? Sure. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think you can kind of get a nice cross section of like people. Going down to the spy bar. Yeah. Where all the spies <laughs> hang out. Yeah. Is this is this yeah, kind of like mentioning it while you're bartending and like... Or maybe there's somebody who comes in. Maybe there's another Chiropteran who comes in who might know something about this. Yeah. Uh, give me one second. I know, actually, I think I yeah. have a, a name here. Yeah, there's a woman, Eleanor Fade, who I think is uh, a member of another ring squad, actually. Ooh. And she would know because she goes all over the all over the basin because she is a member of the Threaded Needle who are a ring squad that handle like like smuggling and getting things like supplies to uh, you know squads who need them behind enemy, enemy lines, smuggling things in and out of places, stuff like that. And so she, you know, she's been all over the basin. She's been in, you know, places controlled by the Commonwealth. Uh, she's probably even, you know, had to sneak into like uh, Concordat territories at certain points. Older Chiropteran woman, I imagine, you know, like a trucker, right? Like she's wearing like grease stained clothes, um, is here while her uh, her vehicle is being repaired, stopping in on, on Coronatus before the next run out, right? And and just having a good night at the the sixth moon. Yeah, um, it's a it's a classic five noon five moon night in Coronatus. You know the streets yeah. are, are well lit, really bright. Do we know each other? Uh, you know her by face, probably, right? Okay, I don't. I mean, if you've met her, I mean, if you want to have, have do I do her. I know who she is? Yes, I, let's say like I think yeah, I think you've got a sense of who she is. Okay, but we don't know each other by name. Probably not. Um, yeah. Uh, or or maybe, you know, dealer's choice, really. It can go either way. But I think you're probably not good friends, but she is a, a ring contact for you in that way. Okay. But does she know who I am? <laughs> I just I don't, I just don't so. want to be like, you don't think so? Oh, okay. I think <laughs> she, All right. well, she, okay. I mean, up to you. She knows that the ring, that the sixth moon is a safe place for people in the ring to like, one to conduct meetings to exchange like uh, intelligence, but also just to like be there and, you know, mm. like uh, have a time where you're like kind of comfortably around mm-hmm. other members of like your, your group. Yeah. Okay. I think, um, you know, she walks up to the bar and I say like, Oh, I uh, haven't seen you in a while. Yeah. I've been a long haul. Glad to be back in the city for a little while though. Yeah, and uh, how's how's life out on the range? Getting a little more hectic every day. Things uh getting hot again out there. Mm, strange country. Yeah. Do do you do I know you from somewhere other than here? <laughs> You've probably eaten food I brought your way. Depending on what kind of life you're living outside of here, you might have shot a gun I brought your way. <laughs> uh, do you know uh, do you my friend Troubadour? A blank expression. I think that uh, doesn't hit for her. Okay. Well, never mind. Uh, you know, wheel round, toss to the drinks. Said, um, you get out to uh, New Rivalo anytime recently? Not as often as I used to, but out that way still every once in a while. Still folks out that way doing the good work. Like I said, getting harder, though. Mm-hmm. Ah, God, I feel so silly saying this. You run into any people who wear an insignia. One-eyed bat. Does that ring a bell? I think let's uh, let's roll the dice here and see how much information you're getting from Eleanor today. What am I rolling? It sounds like consort to me. Mm. So this is this has the energy of a consort roll, mm-hmm. but mm. 
I really should put some pips into that. <laughs> that, that. That came up recently as well. All right. Yeah, but I could maybe maybe sway if you're. I don't. Yeah. You know. No, it's it's not sway. All right. So two d two d six lowest. Yeah, two d six take the lowest. You can still always spend supply points after this though to yeah uh, improve the roll. Five. Oh, really? That's. Yeah, yeah, you rolled a yeah. five and a six. That's really good. That's really good. So that's two segments on the clock. And so that's like halfway through. And so, yeah, I think she starts telling you stories because she knows them pretty well. And they're one of the reasons that she doesn't go to New Rivalo as much as she used to. Really? And I think maybe you call them the Night Flyer Society. Uh, and she kind of scoffs at that. Night Flyer Syndicate. That's the right name for it. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, how, how long ago did we say Des went to prison? Ten years ago? Um, I can't remember what the number was. Uh, got sent to prison. Yeah, like ten years ago. Okay, so like they showed up on the scene about nine years ago. Say, uh, New Rivalo. You know, first started out as like a uh, kind of like a, a a group of fixers and information brokers to start. You know, just uh, another new name in a in a criminal element uh, in a place rife with them. You know, over the last several years they've kind of uh grown rapidly uh, and made really aggressive plays in new rivalo and at the point at this point now i think uh as far as she can tell you know they've taken over most of the smuggling coming in and out of new rivalo uh and also sounds about right they have become kind of like the one of the largest criminal organizations uh, in the basin, much smaller still than Rebus Actuals Network and like without much of a presence in Coronatus. Right. Coronatus, they're they come here for business occasionally, but a lot of their their work still is like is in and out of New Rivalo, which is um, I, I think we've said this before, but just to re- reiterate, New Rivalo is like the second largest city on Coronatus, and it is like the the Commonwealth capital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah sorry. Yes, yeah, you said yeah, on Coronatus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, no, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Uh, on Ember, yeah, in the basin, um, smaller than Coronatus, but it is the the second largest, and it is like the the capital of the Commonwealth on the planet. And so I think that's kind of um, probably the general gist of what she knows about them, right? Like uh, fixers and information brokers turned to just kind of like general criminal criminal syndicate. Um, you know, cutthroat, uh, I think is, uh, a thing she knows about them, uh, and that they are like primarily based out of New Rivalo and that, yeah, they started about, yeah, like nine years ago, um, kind of came out of nowhere, uh, and started throwing around a lot of weight very quickly. Wonder what that's about. Hard to say. All right. Well, thank you, Eleanor. Word to the wise. Like I said, they're cutthroat. They're mean. Yeah. I've lost more than one driver trying to move in on a route they thought was theirs. If you're thinking about getting into business with a friend or crossing them worst, I'd I'd think twice about it. I, I will, Eleanor. I'll think twice. A little wink. A little wink and a nod. Uh, and so that leaves, I think, you and Rhodes still have one downtime each. Um, do you guys know what you want to do here? Or what, what's left to do for you? How are you on stress? Does I only have two stress. I'm good. Mm, I don't. I don't want to do... overindulge. Yeah. Well, one of you has to overindulge with me if I'm going to de-stress. But no, no, no. Because uh, when you cut loose, you're the only one who rolls. Yeah. We can. Yeah. Just be. Yeah. Yeah. Chilling. Those two just both rolled because they were using the same scene for their cut mm-hmm. loose. But when you cut loose, you just tell us how you're hanging out with another pilot, and you're the one who rolls. So you wouldn't have to yeah. worry about overindulging another person. But you are on that line, Reds. 
four is like just under yeah. half. Yeah, you don't. I mean, yeah, that's like of knowing like your. I don't know our luck. You'll roll a six and you'll overindulge. Because I'm so good at this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I guess I'm gonna keep the stress for now. I can just see regretting that in the future, but I think that's okay. And so for our next mission, we kind of have like the send up already. A little bit, right? Like, um, it's going to be rescuing Shellspade from Installation Indigo, a, a, an abandoned mining center, and getting him back so that you have access to his biometric data to get uh, the full kind of breadth of information on his data cache. And that that location, you know, is uh, currently securely protected by the the marked band, the squad that Butte the Brute Halloran, former Belfry boy, belongs to. Maybe I'll try to acquire an asset here. Uh, and I think would probably ask Dez, like, w- w- this is just some side conversation, like at Low Tower, right? Is uh, Troubadour says we're moving in on Mark Band. Does that make you nervous? Not at all. Suppose you're out for blood? You betcha. What if it didn't have to end that way? Uh, I don't understand what you're getting at. I worry that we're making too many foes. I think a, a smile crosses over Desmond's lips. Like I said, that's the, uh, the point of all this, isn't it? No, son. The point is to fight another day. Smile goes away. Because I don't think we're going to sneak in here, leave a trail of blood with every gangster that's ever crossed you, and come out with Shell Spade alive. I was kind of hoping that that's how it would go, but okay. There's only one I care about there. There's only one. Halloran. Give me Halloran. We'll get Shell Spade. The re- I don't care what happens to the rest. They can stay out in wherever the hell this is in the middle of nowhere. Unscathed. I wouldn't touch a hair on their head. I only care about those two. So be it. Uh, I'm going to train prowess. Uh, sure. So because you guys have um, advanced prowess training from your squad, you get two XP in prowess instead of uh, a single XP here. Oh, do I have do I have another downtime action or did I? Yeah, you do. You you do also. All right. Well, I will train prowess as well then. Uh, all right. Is this are you two training together somehow? Is there a way we can like? Yeah, absolutely. Get a, get a uh, yeah. It doesn't have to be a scene, but it's an image here of like how are you yeah. two training? Sure. We go right from this conversation of like you know just give me Butte like that he's you know the one I I'm calling him it. and it's mm-hmm. like well last time we saw Butte he swept three of us aside with almost a single hand and put a knife between two of my ribs. He won't this time. Prove it. As <laughs> yeah. we like yeah. kind of, uh, <laughs> Oh, you guys are fist fighting. <laughs> yeah. Can it be like practicing like knife combat? Yeah. That's like what I was thinking. Yeah. Right? Yes. Is like, yes. Um, Love that image. Fuck yeah. This. So, you know, like I think Rhodes draws from the belt or something. Actually, it's probably that, Cool Drover, like ceremonial knife. Yeah, right? like yeah that yeah. dagger, the, uh, yeah. the Drover Chris Chris knife or whatever. Yeah, yeah. not a Chris knife. It's Super not. Oh, different. I'm sorry. Not, not like that. Knife. Not like that at all. <laughs> it's just totally cool. Own original knife. Oh, I even <laughs> said this earlier that I made it very clear that the Drovers are not the Fremen. Yeah, from, not uh, Fremen. Fremen. They're, They're not even team. similar, yeah. really. Yeah. Well, I guess now that you say that. Hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think like that's right. Right from prove it right like uh into kind of like a cool like like you know we're doing the stops and blocks yeah um and yeah we we like kind of train close quarters bladed combat for a minute i like that um so there's all the downtime actions i just remembered that you have an entanglement (laughs) 
So I think this happens at the bar. And maybe this is this is after your conversation with Eleanor Fade. I think uh, Desmond, you know, maybe the same day. It doesn't have to be, but, you know, it's around around this. Right. Someone else comes into the bar and this is like a, a young Lactorian woman who I think has like a, like, you know, dyed green hair in kind of like a like a chopped like rough mullet. Probably like big nose ring. Uh, I imagine, you know, like wearing like overalls, you know, like real. Uh, a real SJW walks in a bar. <laughs> uh, I, I was thinking like Google, honestly, like kind of like train kid. Oh, right? okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the opposite. <laughs> and I think she has, um, you know, on like the the bib of the overalls, she has like a uh, a patch, right? That has the, the symbol of like a hand facing down palm up with like a a clean black circle in the center of the palm you know a, a ring symbol and this woman i think i like approaches the bar and you know settles up and like once you know i think she kind of like takes like the corner of a bar where it's like quieter there's no one else around her and you know when you finally come to to serve her i think she she says you know she doesn't order a drink i think she's kind of like a little being not nervous but like she almost looks like, I think, angry uh, as as nervous as she is. She looks angry. And I think she's, you know, like I, I someone told me that I could get a message to someone else here. Well, I suppose so. That, that does depend what the message is, of course. Have you heard of the Black Star constellation? Hmm. Uh, I, I don't I don't know. I'm really busy right now. Like what 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 what, what are you trying to get out here? Rhodes Rampart. Yeah, everybody knows Rhodes Rampart. We've all read the Send Bellwether novels, all right? <laughs> yeah, I need you to get a message to him. Well, I, I'll try. Um, and I think she tells you that her name is Gates Technic, and she is a member of another ring squad, uh, a squad called the Open Palm. The Open Palm are a... Uh, I, I'm going to read the squad, squad description here. Uh, the Open Palm are a tier one squad at Ember. The battle for the hearts of the people of Ember cannot be won solely through gunfire. This squad operates a series of mutual aid programs across Coronatus, offering aid and counsel to the countless refugees who have gathered there in the wake of the conflict. And so, yeah, the, the Open Palm are kind of like a, a mutual aid organization. They provide like food uh, and shelter and like logistical resources to the people who've been uh, displaced by the, the ongoing war across Ember. Uh, but the reason that she's here well, the reason she's here is because you guys rolled an entanglement last time. And that entanglement is... Were you about to be at odds with a mutual aid organization? <laughs> well, uh, not exactly. Sorry, I'm trying to find... So this entanglement is, is challengers. A squad with status zero throws their weight around. They threaten you, a friend, an ally, or other associate. And so I think what Gates Technic starts to tell you, Desmond, is that during the Diadem Royale, Rhodes Rampart defeated a pilot named Sunder Fairside. Uh, she was a, a sniper who is a member of a squad called the Golden Bayonets, who are kind of like uh, the, the scions of wealthy Lactorian families who have, have gone to war to earn glory for their families. And Sunder Fairside, Golden Bayonets, are deeply upset with what happened in the Diadem Royale. And in the, the days since... They have been going to the the open palms, uh, you know, uh, they're like food giveaways. They're kind of like um, open house meetings, things like that. 
Uh, and they've been disrupting them. They've been, you know, destroying supply shipments. They have been, uh, because the open palm is kind of like the most public facing of all the ring squads in Coronatus in this way, right? You know where to find them in a way that other squads operate secretly. Mm-hmm. The open palm advertise where they're going to be at. And so the golden bayonets have been uh, going to these events and just disrupting them and threatening them uh, to try and get Rhodes's attention to get the Black Star's attention, but specifically, this is about Sunder Fairside's wounded pride. So let me get this straight. A bunch of uh, rich kids have been going to uh, Food Not Bombs and f- flipping over the tables of uh, rice and curry and yeah. uh, causing a scene. Pretty much. Uh, but the rich kids have guns, right? Oh, and, okay. And yeah, have, like, true. you know, military units. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, yes. But yeah, that is the, the long and short of it. So challengers, like I said, a squad with status zero. You have a status zero with um, the, the golden bayonets at the moment. Uh, but you have to forfeit one rep or one personnel per tier of the rival or stand up to them and lose one status with them. Um, and we can kind of stay zoomed out here because I kind of want to you know wrap this up and get 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 us right into our next mission. But I, you know. So we can talk a little bit more broadly, but I think, you know, Gates Technic yeah, has come to send this message because I think she says, you know, I support the work that they are doing. Rhodes Rampart, hero of the revolution. Sure. But we're getting our asses kicked out there right now. We aren't the people with guns. I don't have an armor, but I'm getting the blowback. So if you can get this message to him, a, a show of force, you know, just a show that they can't push us around something here. Uh, okay, I'll I'll get him the message. Okay, just. Go, go back to work. We'll take care of it. I promise. Basically, yeah, you guys can uh, lose personnel uh, to this problem, uh, which I think maybe in the fiction is just like replacing supplies, right? Um, or if we can, if you can tell me in the fiction like how you stand up to the golden bayonets, you make you like let them know this won't be allowed to continue. You will gain minus one status with them, like cementing them as a potential future rival. That sounds like fun. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's like I, I'm trying Absolutely. to think of like what we yeah. do. we volunteer next Saturday. Yeah, it could be. It could literally be showing up there, right? And like, yeah. and when those guys roll in to like start shit, you're there to shut them down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I think that's like kind of funny. Yeah, absolutely. These rich kids keep showing up and asking why all this stuff is free. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I think like maybe we're. At least Rhodes, I think, like if this gets back to Rhodes, presumably through Des, I think would certainly feel culpable. Um, mm-hmm. I think maybe we do spend like some weekend there just like yeah. playing they security show or. And it's a like, oh, you guys are here. We don't want there to be a problem either. Uh, you know, lift the shirt up. We also oh, I, think, have- I think we're, we're in our we're in our armors. We're in our mechs. Well, I probably can't do that. But no, you uh, can't do that. But we can. Yeah. Oh, yeah, just like the Mercuria, like, uncloaking on a roof nearby or something. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's sick. No, it's like there's canvas stretched from between the legs of the Mercuria. You are the station today. You know, oh, like, uh, hell yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then you just see the, you know, a red dot kind of hitting one of their, one of the uh, guy's heads in the middle of the... Because it's not even like the golden bayonets themselves showing up, I think. I think it's like the, like grunts of the team who have been sent to cause the ruckus right so like kick up the kick the hornet's nest Mm -hmm. and so they're not even prepared to like fight back right it's just like going home with the tails between their legs but the story does is going to get back to sunder fairside and the rest of the golden bayonets 
uh, and right, like they're they're carving Rhodes's name in a bullet. They're carving they're carving the Black Star constellation symbol in a bullet. They are you now officially have minus one status with them. They consider you an enemy. They if they have a way to like mess you up that's not like too far out of their own way, mm-hmm. they'll do it now. And uh, it's you know setting them up to want to deal with you more later. And now, do we have a uh, plus one with the open palm? Yeah, that makes sense to me, right? Uh, that's not yeah. in the uh, thing, but yeah, I think for showing up, absolutely, yeah. They can bring all the sports cars they want. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, they do have the you know the uh, best sharpshooter in all of Ember, so well, didn't manage to hit me. Well, again. <laughs> <laughs> You know, people have opinions, so that's all I'm saying. And then, yeah, you know, we cut to, I think, um, you know, a couple days later, right? It's the it's the same thing we've seen before, right? It's, uh, you know, and I think this is, like, more clearly never, right? Like, these are messages delivered in some way by the apparatus, right? But it's like a, uh, a bus stop sign that for a moment in front of someone waiting it for it flashes the words low tower instead, right? It's a... Uh, uh, a TV screen. I think you use this one road. That's like right with like a, a ring shape forming and like the scan line for once. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. The secret messages go out. Troubadour is calling you back to Low Tower. Right. The dossier is ready. The next mission awaits. The marked band is out there in the desert guarding Harlow Shell Spade, and you need to get him back. Mm-hmm.